Welcome to Interchange. I'm your host, Zach Anderson Pettit. Interchange was founded inside a bond, the embedded finance company. This podcast is a place for conversation, questioning, and open learning about the future of embedded finance. We have something special starting today. This is our first introductory installment of our new series, Sponsor Banking Zero to One. Much of the content in the world of fintech is focused on the technologists and the founders out there raising VC dollars and running after huge problems and even bigger markets. None of that would be possible without the forward-thinking banks sponsoring these programs. Our guest today, Justin Moser, manages strategic partnerships at Bond. He knows the ins and outs of what it takes to build a fintech program at a community bank because, well, He's done it before. Justin comes from MVB Bank, one of the most active banks in the sponsor banking space. They work with some of the most successful fintech programs out there. And we want to unpack and share that knowledge of what it takes to go from zero to one as a sponsor bank. I hope you enjoy our interchange. Over forthcoming episodes, we will get into nitty gritty definitions of these things, kind of what networks you need to be involved in. What are the what are the prerequisites to go from zero to one as a sponsor bank? But before we get to that, I think the the like human piece of this and the maybe most confusing part that isn't kind of written in a book somewhere is the strategy and the why. So is there a was there like a clear rallying cry on the why inside of MVB? Because you guys moved really fast and made a lot of progress in a, what seemed to me like a small amount of time. I think the biggest piece of the why is our CEO, Larry Mazza. Something we'd always hear, hear him say is uh, blue ocean opportunities. So there's a red ocean and that's the ocean that uh, everybody's in. It's the safe space, but the blue ocean is where like really not a lot of banks are. Um, so that that's really what drove the strategy is like kind of looking at, hey, what are similar banks doing and then what can we do different and what are the markets that aren't being tapped in right now? Yeah. What were some of those early conversations like in my experience, like the fintech founders would always be a little bit shocked if a bank was even somewhat open minded. And I think MVB was very open minded. So what, what were some of those conversations like? Were you kind of shocking entrepreneurs with the fact that you were even answering emails or what was that like? In the beginning, I mean, just like with any kind of unique startup that's already within a company, that's essentially what their fintech organization was. It's really just kind of like intaking everything you can, just like growing that pipeline and then seeing what works, what doesn't work. Um, and when you look at some of the industries they're in with uh, like their known partners, like uh, for instance, like DraftKings, gaming is very high risk. So it took a lot of planning on the back end and a lot of uh, just hiring those those key people um, that have knowledge in the industry that are like leaders. So they know they're doing it right. But I think that a lot of these fintech brands were surprised at first. How much of it was you as a bank and as a banker, you individually educating them? Was there a was there a lot of like, well, this is how issuing actually works. This is what you need. Um, a lot of like, here, let's go to finance school almost kind of a thing. Do you spend a lot of time almost consulting? On the issuing side, uh, I would say it's like 80% uh, just like coaching the, the fintechs on what to do, how to do it, like what we needed from them. Um, Cause there's so much that goes into a program. It's heavily regulated. Yeah. That's a, that's a kind way to say it heavily regulated. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a maze. It's funny because even with like some of the larger brands that I had launched, um, we would actually try to like give them an extension of like, 
internal bank training programs or like connecting with somebody that like knew what to do because if they wanted to effectively like program manage, they had to know how to build. Um, so we would uh, give them like Banker 101 courses uh, to where it's just the basics and then they just kind of grow from there themselves. How many of the companies that you were talking to or how many of the founders that you were talking to understood or even had a concept of program management? Was that a, a thing they were aware of or did you have to kind of educate them on that pretty significantly as well? So I don't think that they were really aware of it. Um, I think that a lot of uh, fintechs think whenever they're going to launch any kind of product is, oh, well, hey, like the bank will do this or the bank will do that. Um, and that's really not the case because uh, banking operations is very siloed from like true fintech operations. It got to the point where MVB, we would have to, well, they started um, staffing up like their own team um, to support those programs uh, because the alternative was for the fintech to build it out internally themselves right away um, or have like some sort of like ease of transition process because they mostly didn't want to outsource it to like a third party. They wanted it to be like either bank or um, organic support. What was the time frame? involved in a lot of this like what how long did it take from like first conversation to launching a card on average in your experience oh my gosh uh so i would say best case scenario for like a brand new program you'd be looking at like assuming we had all the integrations currently uh it would be a year to a year and a half um and that's that's everybody kind of doing everything they can like running 110 miles an hour what were the things in that, so that classical example of, you know, your OGs a year to a year and a half, uh, what, what were like the long poles in the tent? What, what were the pieces that took so long? I think that anything policy procedure related was always such a long haul um, because it was like starting from scratch almost every single time, which was so redundant. Um, but programs can be so different. So it was hard to have one that fit everything. Um, but then the other long haul is just those the technology integrations with the system of record or uh, just waiting for any of the SLAs for the card brands. Um, you can only work as fast as like your external dependencies. Having come and kind of sat on both sides of the table, right? The banker side and the the startup side. I think there's this, this common theme amongst technologists that ah, bankers move so slow. They're, they're never responsive or this or that, which, you know, is maybe true about some banks. But did you run into the the opposite much? Did you run into the the founders kind of ghosting for a number of months or anything like that? Because I had I had some of those experiences uh, back at NBKC where I was like, I thought I thought you were mad at the bank for not moving fast enough, and I haven't heard from you in two months. So some, I mean, they would you know come out all hot and heavy because they wanted to get this in market, and then it's when they get the hint that like, hey, it's not that easy. Then sometimes they would disappear because they didn't have like their party straight, like they weren't well position to issue anything at that time. Um, so, I mean, they, for the most part, they always came back around or they would kind of explore the space to see like, Hey, who can do it faster. But just because somebody's saying they can do it faster doesn't mean they're going to do it right. Um, so, I mean, but I mean, you're right. in saying like banks, they're known notoriously to move slow, um, which is true, but it's like with the regulations and like internal processes. And, and honestly, I think within banks, there are so many committees that one product or program has to go through. That's what <laughs> takes it so long to even come to fruition. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of stakeholders for sure. It's, it's not, not a simple thing. So all of that said, right. You're coming from this banker perspective. What are you doing over here? What, what drew you to bond? Like, was there just like folly that you saw in the status quo that drew you to bond or what, what was it about the opportunity that, that clicked for you? Yeah. So I wasn't actively looking to jump ship. 
um, because I thought that like I had it nice at the bank um, and the growth was there. But while I was launching these programs and dealing like with the internal uh, processes and like the external partners, it's like, hey, like why is this so difficult? So working on the Credit Karma program and launching that, that took, and I think that they're still going through some parts of like late implementation with like uh, third parties. Uh, but I'm just like, there has to be an easier way. I don't know why this is taking so long. I don't know why this relationship has to lie here. Uh, it was a lot of like questioning the entire process throughout. Um, something that I think anybody in payments catches on to very early is like the complexities of it and how difficult it is to just scale anything out. Um, so I somewhat, somewhat across bond just by somebody I think liking a LinkedIn post um, and it popped up and I looked and I was like, hey, well, this sounds interesting. So then I started having conversations um, and it was solving for like what I was frustrated about for an entire year and a half working on. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'll give it a shot. And now I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the frustrations don't like leave all of a sudden, right? Like what we're building still, we are dealing with a lot of the pain that we're talking about, right? Like your day to day is, it doesn't seem like it's any less painful. It's just, you're building it once to ship multiple times kind of a thing. Is it easier or am I just, am I making that up? It's not easier on me necessarily, just because it's the same uh, integrations, the same knowledge I would carry from the bank over here. I mean, it's a lot of the same processes, agreements. Um, some are unique just on bond stance and where we lie at with like our partner banks and, you know, any issue of processor and so forth. But it makes it easier on the brand who in the, at the end of it all, it makes it easier on like their end user. So it's just my biggest frustration with the entire process of like any kind of card program is there's a large unbanked and underbanked population in the country. And there's a lot of financial products that can like help financial wellness and like credit wellness and that kind of thing, but it's impossible to get it to market. Um, so by joining bond and building it here, it enables those brands in the future. Um, why well, even now uh, to get those out to market faster. So it, it starts solving those, uh, those long tailed problems. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing that, that you and I have in common. I mean, how much of that do you think actually comes down to increasing the number of banks that are doing sponsored banking, right? I mean, I guess that's kind of the conversation we're starting to have here, but it, what are there? I mean, like maybe 20 or 30 banks that are sub Durban that are sponsoring fintech programs in any meaningful way. Like, I, I don't know. Does that number seem right-ish to you? Uh, yeah, so I would say like 20 to 30 ish. And I mean, there are like, of course, those smaller community banks are getting into the space um, that are starting to launch like the first programs, whether it be through a platform like Bond or if they're taking like those direct integrations or like a sponsorship through like uh, Shazam ITS. I mean, there's a ton of different routes for it. Uh, but I think the number of sponsor banks isn't as important as like the quality of them uh, because mm. some people do everything right. And some banks, they don't have the, the industry knowledge to do it right which is no fault of their own, but it's a tricky industry and it's very hard to source that team because chances are like if they're eight players and they're, they're already at a larger kind of sponsor bank. Yeah. What do you think is the hardest part of that? I mean, I remember at MBKC just getting into the conversations was not an easy thing. And I just always wondered how other banks would be, even be able to kind of facilitate or bring in that top of funnel business. Yeah. I mean, so I think it was difficult, but I think whenever you're kind of like, looking at how you want your organization to be and like who you want to fill it. Um, you're looking at like a couple of key hires uh, that you might have to pay, you know, a higher premium to get them to come over. And like, they have to buy into the vision of the company because with people that have been in the industry for five, 10, 15 years, they're going to bring over a pipeline with them, but they're also going to bring over those connections that like they already have trust in the industry. So like the rapport is there. Um, and it's just the matter of like 
them entrusting the rest of the banking team and bringing them on board as well. How much of it do you feel like needs to be internal? Uh, do you think that like the right partner could actually facilitate a lot of that if kind of the relationships built correctly? Yeah, I do. Um, and, and primarily because banks have to take on such like a heavy lift for one program at scale, let alone like multiple. So it, it's unique. And especially with the recent bank we've been talking to is it's not just we're looking at them as a way to launch these programs. It's they're looking at us uh, so they can scale and they don't have to worry about their own capacity, like internal capacity to launch programs that they want to as well. So it's a runway for both. Um, so I think if if the processors are there and they have like the, the right policies and the trust and like the, the teams on the third party are solid, then I think that uh, helps ease it because banks are very uh, risk adverse and they would do anything to mitigate it. <laughs> So it's just really uh, getting that buy-in from their entire like executive team. Yeah. I mean, risk averse for a reason though, right? I mean, you and I both, I think if we don't have to talk about them, but we've been close enough and not even inside of our own banks in our previous lives. But I think we've both heard horror stories of what can happen if you don't kind of have your ducks in a row at an early stage, right? Like things can go sideways very fast and you don't want the FDIC or or the OCC or anybody like that in your office, right? So it, it makes sense that they function that way, I think. Yeah, I mean, it could be like human error, technical error, like it could be an error due to like a third party. But at the end of the day, uh, the banks being the principal member of like Visa, MasterCard, Discover, whoever, um, yeah, I mean, it's their membership on the line. I think it, I mean, it is a lot on the bank's shoulders. That's why <laughs> I think that's why their internal approval processes for due diligence and that kind of like risk overview is uh, so strenuous to get through. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you recommend just like at a really high level, you know, our next conversations are going to be more so from the bank perspective on how to go zero to one, but if founders are listening, you know, what are some of the kind of low level things that you recommend founders kind of get their ducks in a row on before they even start these conversations with banks? It's not bad to engage with a bank early on or like a, or somebody like bond. Um, just as far as like setting expectations, um, because I think what the biggest frustration across both is, is if, if they try to research on their own, like, you know, from what they're finding on blogs or like some sort of uh, website, it's, they're going to have an expectation in their mind of like, Hey, it's going to go this way. And they're going to think they have everything. But then when the bank asks for something additional, that's where like the friction starts. And that's what slows things down because every bank is different. Um, at the end of the day, really they're looking for the same thing, but every bank has a different way of uh, finding it. Sounds a lot like, you know, uh, from a founder perspective, like raising a fundraising round, right? Like you, you build relationships early on, even if you, you, it's not transactional, right? Like maybe at some point it becomes transactional because you're doing a transaction, but at the, it's, it's building a relationship. It's having, you know, a trusted person kind of in that organization that even if you're not ready for the, the issuance of the card or whatever it is that you at least have a, a number you can call or a person you can bounce ideas off of kind of a thing. It sounds like. Another piece of that too, kind of looking away from like what the banks actually want uh, to be able to like board you is like, look at your product and the market that you're aiming for. It's like an arms race for like who has like the coolest, most unique, like most groundbreaking, innovative financial product that's coming out. Um, I think that stuff definitely gets the attention uh, because everybody kind of wants like that marquee product or brand to be behind. Um, so it's, it's always good to have like a solid business case um, and having existing members also definitely helps, but not always required, I guess. I think that's a really good spot to leave it on our next episode of Justin and Zach Talk Banking Nerdiness. We will dig in to the first steps to go from zero to one as a sponsor bank. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of Interchange with Justin Moser. We will continue this series with more bite-sized podcasts breaking down how to go from zero to one as a sponsor bank. If you're a banker and you have specific questions, please reach out. We'd love to talk with you one-on-one and maybe even answer those questions here on Interchange. Interchange was founded inside a bond to benefit the developers, product owners, and executives at brands working inside the next generation of financial services. We hope that you're learning, enjoying, and maybe even laughing along with us. We love this world and we're passionate about every piece of it. Let us know what you'd like to learn more about, who you'd like to hear from, and what's getting you out of bed in the morning in this wild world of fintech in which we live. If you'd like to learn more about Bond, reach out. You can get a hold of me at Zach at Bond.tech. Let's start a conversation. Check out the show notes and the Bond blog for a deeper dive if you're still listening and just can't get enough. And lastly, if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy the show in general, leave us a review and a rating on your favorite podcast app. Until our next interchange.